I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome back to Awkward Sex in the City. It's me, Natalie Wall, your pale hostess with the mostest. Uh, we got another guest. We got another hour of conversation, 45 minutes, whatever this gets edited to. This person I love so much, Jess- Jessica Henderson. Uh, truly just one of the funniest people right now, I think, in the NYC comedy community and just truly such a gem of a person. And so I think what I really love about this episode is there is sex obviously in it, but we go uh, on a lot of different tangents and they all circle back to sex, uh, even if you're like in the middle of it and you're like, no. And it's like, it does. All this stuff is important and it's all, all this stuff is important to talk about and it's really easy to talk to Jess about anything. And so if you're in New York City, uh, find her, find her shows. If you're not, and also if you are in New York City, follow her at embrace underscore mess. Um, I, like I say in the podcast, I'm obsessed with her Instagram because it's a lot of her plants. And it's amazing. And just, she's just a really great person. I think this is a really cool episode that you're going to like. I go, uh, I'm going to just throw this date to my friend's surprise party and then if she's crazy I'll be surrounded by my friends and mm-hmm. I can just be like mm-hmm. bye or <laughs> whatever <laughs> grammatically correct and I was like okay first of all you're on the wrong side of history <laughs> second of all it's usually some man with his like elbow all the way inside of you telling you to lose weight <laughs> 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 it's just so fucked up You've done the show before. I've You've done the com- the stand up show. Yeah, I was gonna say I've done the comedy show. Yeah, yeah. Like sorry, that. that's what I meant. <laughs> um, and you killed. Uh, I think I well, I talked about Pride Month. I talked about plants. Uh, I think I talked about. I always touch base about raising, like when I used to babysit white kids, like raising them to be strong black women. Um, <laughs> so many, <laughs> so many things, so many things. Oh, I talk a lot. <laughs> well, it's perfect for a podcast. So you're good. Okay. <laughs> um, so I guess so. I guess I'll ask. Like since then, has there been any new awkward sex? 
New Awkward Sex. New Awkward Sex. Since you did the show, I think that was August. So it's not that long ago. Okay. So, so there hasn't been any new, there hasn't been any, there's been new sex, but no awkward sex. Okay. I have an amazing partner um, and we just celebrated uh, her birthday in Vegas. Ooh. And we had lots of fornication in Vegas. That was really fun. Ooh. Vegas. <laughs> we went into Vegas thinking that we were like above and super classy. And we're like, look at all these trashy people. And then you, Vegas just sucks you up and then you become part of the trash scene. Oh, so like what happened? Well, when we. When did you switch? Okay. So I was so turned around from the time and from just like partying and we had done um drag brunch that morning at 11 a.m drank all through the afternoon picked up two strangers that were super sweet um from the drag brunch got them then we all decided to buy tickets for this party at a gay club and then we met um her friends we were with like her cousin and her two best friends and we met her other friend at a hotel and then we took this ferris wheel thing <laughs> That uh, is like unlimited drinks for a half hour. Drink and you're them. on a Ferris wheel as you drink? Yeah, it's slow. It's like a room and you just, <laughs> you just, I, I can't explain it. Honestly, I can't explain it because I was so drunk. Um, and then we go out, we paint the town red. I go to bed because I was like falling in and out of sleep while um, her and her best friend were like having a long chat. And I fell asleep for what I thought was like four hours and it was our last night together. So I was like emotional about that. And I thought that she had left me in our hotel room and like went to go hang out with her friend uh -huh. on last night. So I passive aggressively got up to get water from the other room. <laughs> and I was so dramatic and so upset and so emotional. And she was like, I love you. And I was like, no, <laughs> I like wouldn't let her touch me. And I like shuffled back to the room and then, she came in and I was like crying. I was like, I just can't. I just can't. And then, <laughs> and then we had lots of sex or whatever. And then the next morning I was talking to her. And that's when I found out that she'd only been gone for like maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she had left me for four hours. I was like, no. How long? She was like, babe, you said you were going to sleep. And you woke up. Maybe like five <laughs> minutes later, upset. <laughs> I was so turned around and so exhausted and obviously still the fucking drunk. Oh, yeah, it was. So, yeah, I was <laughs> the next morning. I was just like, I have to publicly apologize. I was so I went and got a glass of water. The, the worst part is like my passive aggressive getting a glass of water that I didn't drink. <laughs> I went and got it just to parade in there and glare at everyone. And when I mean everyone, her and her like really sweet best friend just like both gently looking at me. Now it makes so much sense how fucking confused they were. <laughs> but they were like not trying to be mean. So they're being like really supportive and like nodding their heads as I was <laughs> clearly losing my mind. <laughs> Oh my god! I thought she loved me for hours. Like, was like the sun like in different places? Like from when you woke, like went to bed. And the like, woke sun. Up? I went to sleep at like what I realize now was like four and four forty five, and woke up at like five thirty. But I the the sun was out more. The sun wasn't completely up yet. Mm -hmm. We also had like blackout ah. hotel curtains, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so and only a little part of it was open because we had a balcony. Um. And uh, I was, ooh, I was turned around. I was turned around. I was triggered. <laughs> I was not having it. Do you recommend for others? Uh, Vegas? Yeah. I think everyone should do Vegas once. I hate it. <laughs> I'm not, that's just like not my scene. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I did have fun. I'd, okay. ra I'd much rather like go and rent. Uh, I'm going to sound like such a lesbian. Go and rent a cabin. <laughs> Uh, and like drink in a house with my friends or be on the beach or something like that. Then walk around. There's so much, there's so much like over consuming too in Vegas that I feel is really sad. And the people 
when you really look at the people that are like in the casinos, yeah, I'm like, oh, fuck, like that's sad. Like I've never, that's tough. I've never really like I've been in the Mohican Sun not to gamble, but for like uh for like a job, and then I uh, a one random casino in Canada, and I yeah. like I don't know I didn't I didn't th- I don't think I experienced it, but I wasn't like looking. I just remember like the lights were just like this is weird. Like the lights are like so bright. The lights are bright, and it. I think it. All I know. Uh, that was my second time in Vegas, and my first time in Vegas, I was there with someone who's like close friend's mom mm-hmm. has been a blackjack dealer for like she's from Vegas, so they know the whole scene. And they were saying all of these like insider scoops about the casino casinos, how they have the like most expensive ones have it pumped with like fresh oxygen. So you feel like energized. Um, also the lighting is the, so you get some of like the same response of being outside. With Holy the lighting. shit. So you don't want to leave. Uh, everything is fixed. So you don't want to leave. That is truly horrifying. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna lie though, gambling is fun. Yeah, I've always you have to have like some accountability and boundaries. Mm. Like I looked at my girlfriend, I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. And if we hit the button three times and three times we lose, we're taking our voucher out and we're going to the next little penny slot machine. So we like ran around to different (laughs) slot machines until we ran out of money. But um I she had seen somebody like have a nervous breakdown at the ATM trying to get money and they couldn't get it out. And I, I mean, I've seen people who like oxygen tanks, like in, in pajamas basically down there, just like gambling money. It's rough. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. When you like really break it down. Yeah. I'm like, I know you can drink outside in Vegas, right? Yes. And so to me, it's like, okay, if I want to drink outside and it's like Vegas or New Orleans, like I feel like I'd choose New Orleans. 100%. Right? Yeah. 100%. New Orleans is amazing. I've been to, I haven't been to either, but like, actually, that's not true. I learned how to walk in New Orleans, but I don't fucking remember it. Um, <laughs> but suppose my brother did something dicky to me and then I got so mad. I was just like, no, and like stood up and like ran after him. Yeah. So I like that's... that I was spiteful already that young or like that petty. Yeah. Sometimes it's all you need somebody to do some fuck shit. Mm-hmm. Be like, I actually got this and I'll shut it down. New Orleans is amazing. Yeah. I love New Orleans. I didn't drink outside. Um, I'm also not a huge like drinker. I'd rather smoke. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, and even then, I don't know. I had to I did a, a sober September and it really um like made me realize how much like smoking all the time altered almost like my personality. Oh, okay. Uh, Cuz I think a lot of times weed uh we're like, oh, it's weed. Weed's great. Smoke all the time. It's not harmful. It, it And it isn't. But I think that you need to be intentional when you engage with oh, the totally. plant and, and like engage with it with respect. And I was kind of just like, it was becoming such a like routine that I wasn't even acknowledging the fact that I have this amazing plant and I get to smoke it. For those of you who can't tell, I'm really like crunchy, hippie granola. Um, <laughs> so now I'm just trying to treat it with more intention. And it's like where th- I keep my medicine mm. in my apartment. So just as a reminder, like, okay, this is just like taking Tylenol where it's like not bad for you, but you cannot take eight Tylenol just because you have a headache. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like, you cannot smoke a ton just because whatever. Yeah. And I think that's what they say in like AA and things like that. It's like, it's all about intent. So like yeah. if you are sober and someone gives you a drink that has alcohol in it, though you specifically ask for no alcohol and you take a sip, you don't you're not starting over because your intent wasn't like mm-hmm. to drink that drink. You thought it was, you know, alcohol free. Like things like that. Yeah. But I think the fact that you realize that you're just like, oh, I need to make sure my intentions are there and that I'm so aware. I think you yeah. like you're good, you know? Yeah. Um it's been nice. And I mix it with um like ceremony herbs, like with sage and rose and oh. things like that. Oh, I'll download shot. <laughs> well, I love it. I'm obsessed with your Instagram because it's like all your plants. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. I love plants. When your plants are very sexual. I, I was going to say, say they're very sexy. I used to have a bunch of orchids 
Oh, they're so beautiful. But all right, I'm going to bring it around because I know Caitlin's like, there's been no sex. Um, <laughs> how how did you and your girlfriend meet? I don't think I know the story. Oh, my God. It's actually really hilarious and horrifying at the same time. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so we met on Tinder. She was doing a solo trip to New York. She's from Vancouver, and that's where she lives now. Um, and she paid extra to, like, see people in New York um, before she got there. And so we swiped, or we swiped. I swiped on her, and I was like, this is cute. Oh, she's only going to be in New York in 10 days. For 10 days, she had it, like, in her bio. And I was like, great. This is a hump and dump. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> I was like, hey, I think I said, hey, you're cute. And I, I don't think I've even told her this, but at the time I had said that to several people. Oh, it was like a copy paste hit. <laughs> um, and she <laughs> replied and she replied back in kind and was really sweet. Mm-hmm. I was like, do you want to chat a little bit? And I was like, nope. Talk to me when you're here. Bye. I was like, talk to me when you're here. Here's my phone number. <laughs> Give me a text. And she's like, okay. Um, and then she texts me and we had to do like a little bit of shifting around on the first day. It was supposed to just be coffee. And then coffee, uh, at the time I was working a babysitting job that was horrible. Oh, God. Like nonstop communication with the family, like no boundaries no ever. Boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I would like wake up at like six o'clock in the morning with texts. And I might like, I had a schedule, but it was always like, I felt like I, there was no knowing what I was walking into that mm-hmm. day. And, um, it was one of those days where I was getting so fucking thrown off by the family that I was uh, sort of like decimating everything else in my life. So I was like, okay, let's just get, let's just get a drink. Um, and I also, it was my first Tinder date. Oh, wow. So I was like, I hope she's not psycho. Uh, I'm going to just throw this date to my friend's surprise party. And then if she's crazy, I'll be surrounded by my friends. And mm-hmm. I could just be like, mm-hmm. bye. Or whatever. <laughs> just like disappear. Into, yeah. Like, just be like, I gotta go. <laughs> so she, our date is supposed to be at, she's supposed to meet me at, I think like 840, no, not 845, like 745. And my bosses would do this thing particularly one boss because you know there's always one parent that does all the payment and then the other one tries to act like they're not involved like they both don't talk i fucking hate that yeah it's like it's a bill you know it's due like don't make me beg for my money oh yeah so they would do this thing where it's like you feel like you're held hostage on a friday because you don't want to come out and like be like i need my check right now so i was doing that like tiptoe around where you're not asking for a check and you're like standing around with your hand out and your thumb in your ass and I, (laughs) i ended up like across the street because it was they were all like oh well let's get a drink and i'm like okay well let's get a drink meanwhile i ended up i think i ended up being like an hour oh my and god. 45 minutes late and she was just sitting there oh my god sitting there and the only reason why she didn't leave is because she was in new york and she you know she was like whatever it's an adventure and it was like right when she was like i'm gonna just go into this bear burger and get a drink and like take myself out to eat and tell this woman to fuck off Cause she was, I think she was convinced that she got catfish. I think is what she told me. Um, she saw me like adjusting my clothes. Cause of course they were stained with kids snacks. And I was like looking at my clothes. I walked up to her. I'm like, hi, I'm Jess. And then I thought I was going to get paid in, which is another thing that used to be so annoying. I thought I was going to get paid in cash. I ended up getting paid in a check. And because I got paid in a check so late, I was trying to run to the bank. So it would clear. So I could mm-hmm. have money for this date. Mm-hmm. So then I like, you forget as a New Yorker how chaotic it is to get around in New York till you're with like a civilian. So I had her like, like, I'm like, oh, fuck, she can't walk fast. We got to get in a car. I was like, let's get in a car. Let's get in a cab. And I also, as you guys heard earlier, have a puppy voice and she had no idea about it. Right. So like every dog we passed, I was like, hi, puppy. Hello. Hello. And she's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? So I was like, like grabbing her in tow, th- throwing her in and out of cars, being like, hello, puppy, doing an hour and a half late. I took her to my friend's uh, surprise birthday party, which she did so well at. I was yeah. very impressed. She ended up meeting people I didn't even know. And she'd like come up to me and be like, so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, who the fuck? <laughs> Who's that? Um, 
and we had a great little chat and then I took her to Kerf Dogs. Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. And we got all this slutty food and then we shared a cab back uptown and nothing happened. We just like had our little slutty food and then we were like, bye, we're going to like go home and get weird in our own beds and eat this like slutty food. I was like, oh, that was really sweet. Like she was she was nice. Um, uh, and then the next day we had lunch and I there was something we never kissed or anything on our first two dates. But there was just something about her that was like very, um, I don't know, like approachable. And it always felt like kind of natural with her and easy. And I went to lunch with her and I ended up telling her all this like drama I had in my friend group Mm -hmm. and about one particular friend. Well, you know, not really a friend, but one particular person I was dealing with that I felt like I could never say no to. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was just so shocked. She was like, well, have you ever just told her no, because I, I don't want to. And I was like, that's I remember thinking that's so radical. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a radical thing to say. Um, and that's pretty much our relationship. She's like, stick up for yourself. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've, it's been a journey since then. Uh, and then we just talked a lot on Instagram and I randomly was like, I kind of want to come see you in Vancouver. And she was like, okay, come in 10 days. Like, and I, uh, I was like, "Ah, um, I can't. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, I just, I, I'm going to book a ticket. I found a ticket for this much. Like, I think I want to book it and like come stay with you. And then she came and then we had lots and lots of sex. And it's been a, like pretty much a wrap ever since. And we've been together now for a year. Are you guys a long distance? Yes. That's a, that's a long distance too, because Vancouver I oh. is all, it's West Coast. Yeah. Canada. It's work. It's yeah. definitely work. It's definitely work. Um, but when you meet somebody and it's worth it, it's just like, Fuck it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You might be then my first person I've had on podcast that is in official, like in currently long distance relationship. Yep. And so what is that like in 2019 right now? Like what do you guys do to keep like the intimacy alive? <laughs> we do. We FaceTime. Um, we we were talking too much um, or I. Yeah. No, we both agreed. We were talking too much and it was like superficial. Mm-hmm. So now we try to be really um, intentional with our communication. Um, and we always set a date. Like okay. there's always one date a week where we just hang out Aww. Uh, and watch. Uh, right now we were watching fucked up shit because we love fucked up shit. So we we're watching the R. Kelly documentary. Um, oh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm like afraid to watch it. Oh, it will have you fucked up. But also like, um, like feeling good too. Cause it, it, it feels like a, a lot of things are perfectly articulated, especially for black women. And I think that they did a really good job um, in that documentary, articulating the type of violence and also um, articulating how what I think a lot of documentaries are doing really well now and responsibly is not getting wrapped up in the like seduction of of how people like to watch mess, but mm. um, educating people and how predators work and oh. like giving it articulation like. A predator will come after you because X, Y, and Z. It has enough, like you are, a lot of victims blame themselves. And yeah. we also blame victims. Like it's specifically with R. Kelly, it's like, oh, well, you know, parents should never let their daughters around him or those girls should have left when X, Y, Z. But it's like, no, predators know what they're doing mm-hmm. and they pick their victims and they pick their victims for a reason. Um, Yeah. And you're groomed. It's not your fault. You've got to watch the documentary. No one's allowed to talk to each other. His wife was locked up and locked away. Fuck. And he's being the thing that I love because I'm always screaming at the TV is that I'm like, it's not just Harvey Weinstein. It's not just R. Kelly. It is their entire. It's the system that's placed Mm -hmm. to not serve us. And it's the people that work for them. Like R. Kelly cannot read and write. He's illiterate. Holy shit. So how was he booking these plane tickets to fly these girls here and there, put them in different parts of the studio? Like, please. Label his tapes. He cannot read and write. Holy shit. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, well, I think he has, like, very, 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 very. He's basically illiterate, but he's, like, a musical genius. 
Yeah, so but basically people knew and people yeah, were facilitating, facilitating. In, the, in the documentary, I think it's like assistant or something and two of his bodyguards that just talk about all the ways that they helped him. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to watch it now cuz now cuz I do I like fucked up shit, you know? Love it. It's uh we I know I've talked about it in the past on the podcast and I think like one reason like women love like true crime is because it's almost like how much like can we research and just like be prepared? like there's just so much shit yeah um and i feel like i feel like that's why i like fucked up shit like that like making a murderer the jinx watch it all um yeah watched all that mm -hmm. and i just for some reason this one i just was like i don't know like because they were all the girls were so young i was just like i don't want um i felt weird watching or finding entertainment in uh and it's not entertainment it's a documentary it's like a totally different like thing but i was just like they were so young and like so like Stockholm Stockholm syndrome that it just made me so sad. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's sad, but it's also empowering. There's one storyline where, um, I it shows like the vulnerability that Black women have. Like, first of all, what, uh, there's a person on there that articulates it perfectly. Like, if this had been a bunch of the little white girls like going missing and like not coming, back, it, it would have been a fucking rap. Mm -hmm. People in the community have known about his attraction to young girls mm -hmm. since he dropped out of high school. Like he was still going back around to his high school, hanging out with those high schoolers. It is a known thing in the community that R. Kelly was doing that. Back. It's just, he was doing that to black girls and nobody cares. And there's a person that was on the jury when he was acquitted for child pornography. That was like, I didn't like the way the girls looked and what they wore and what they sounded like. And basically, they're like, quote unquote, ghetto black women. And so this guy on the jury, like, he didn't believe them because of those things. Oh, my it's God. It's fucked up. And um, but anyways, it, it, so it shows how vulnerable black women are, but also how powerful because there's this one black mother that's like, you know, I really don't give a fuck. And she's like taken to the streets, basically stalked her daughter, figures out what hotel her daughter's in and goes and like bangs on the door. And she uses the production to like obviously have the funds to like go find her daughter. But she's so like, I don't know. The best way to describe it is magic. She's this woman is completely mic'd, but she's still able to talk quietly enough to her daughter so that they cannot even pick it up. But you can tell that she's talking to her and the cameras try to come in when her daughter finally opens the door. And the woman is so quick. She like busts in and like pushes the cameraman back and shuts the door behind her. And all you hear is just like, oh my god <laughs> like, it's giving me the chills yeah and they go they go um she so she goes and she gets her daughter and then and this just shows you how much power he has then she gets a call from the hotel and the hotel's like you can't come back if you come back again you're gonna get arrested because your daughter is claiming she doesn't know who you are well they don't say your daughter they say so-and-so doesn't know who you are blah 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 and she finds out that somebody on his team does that like lies and then she has her daughter meet her in the bathroom of the hotel and her daughter literally only has like her pajamas on and her little backpack and like shoes that she found and then she take I'm gonna start crying and then I she know, takes this her is, away like, making me cry. and they drive off and her mom's like you know it's totally fine and uh her oh I gotta start crying her daughter was like I thought you forgot about me <laughs> yeah it was so sad it's so sad but also so amazing she's like of course I never forgot about you and she's like I thought you were too mad and she's like I'm never gonna be mad at you it's so good <laughs> it's so good it's so good it's so good it's so good and i did stop i did stop oh my god so that's that's like worth seeing the documentary and yeah. seeing these parents like fighting for their for their kid. children yeah oh he's such a fucking predator oh i know and i get so mad anytime i hear ignition because it's like we've all everyone's like this oh my man god. is awful yeah Why i also am guilty of loving his music oh ignition's like it was a great catchy song but it's like i'm pretty sure there's a video of me singing it karaoke ignition i remember like how many times at sleepovers or hanging out with my friends late at night did we watch all of trapped in the closet and just like laugh our asses off but and that's explained there too like how he likes to hide in plain sight i loved Aaliyah's music oh, and you yeah. find out all the shit he did with Aaliyah. Oh my god! It's so fucked up. Oh my god! It is so fucked up. All right, well, I'm definitely gonna watch it. Yeah, probably tonight. Yeah, um, I stayed up the night I watched it. It was like one episode, and then I stayed up till five forty-five oh, watching the whole thing. Fuck! Because I was like, nope, I gotta, 
nope, I got to see. <laughs> How does that end? Yeah. I'm like, nope, you're going to gonna have to go ahead and, and tell me more. Oh, my God. But it's good. It's okay. good. Okay. Wow. I don't know how to pivot from that. Like, it's good. Like, I like I love talking about this and yeah. um, not like love. You know what I mean? Um, well, I, we need to talk about sex, right? right? Yeah. Well, I feel like a good thing to pivot to is like at, I, I do feel like predators are successful because sex is so like weaponized or mm. villainized mm-hmm. that people don't feel like they can talk to like their parent or somebody about having sex and like mm-hmm. how it has to be shameful and and um yeah that's that's really frustrating to me because I feel like a lot of those situations are young girls who let's face it are sexual have a sexuality want mm-hmm. to experiment but are constantly like had that erased from them or not like preach like don't be a slut don't do this like fucking ti checking his daughter's hymen oh my god that that you have an like a a father figure come and acknowledge a part of you right that Mm -hmm. you know exists but no one else is willing to talk to you about like that's a huge advantage that predators have yeah the lack of communication around what's like how to take care of yourself sexually I just, I don't, like, I know why it's taboo in America to be sexual, but it's just, like, it's so infuriating. It's, like, if if Europe can do it, if Europe can figure it out, I mean, everything is over-sexualized in Europe, but it's not taboo. Where everything here is taboo, it's, like, oh, th- we're going to use sex and, like, the female body to, or just to sell everything, but with the moment that you try to monetize off of your own body or, like, your own sexuality... You are a slut. You're a whore. If you like have these like urges, which everyone fucking does. Like mm-hmm. you're right. I think number one, we definitely need to start realizing that kids are horny, not like at 12 and 13, but at like six. Like oh, I yeah. was humping teddy bears and oh, pillows yeah. at like six. And I've babysat the gamut. Like mm. I, I've seen when it clicks, like mm-hmm. my, I have this and you have something different. I want to touch it. I like touching this. What does that all mean? Mm-hmm. And it's always like, don't touch your like tinker or don't touch your vagina. I'm like, first of all, vagina and penis. Like, let's stop right, right now. Yeah, right now. Um, and you ha- you have to talk to kids. You yeah. have to talk kids about this. And it's hard, especially like because I've babysat for a very long time. Um, currently still babysitting, and it's really hard when you have all the knowledge that you want to give to these kids, mm-hmm. but you don't know where the parents stand. Yeah, and it's your job, and it's not that like. It's it's that it pays your bills. And yeah. so it's like, I'd much rather tell you X, Y, and Z, but is that going to get me fired because I'm stepping over a line? Well, the amount of emotional labor that's put on caretakers is irresponsible yeah. on parents' parts. Like you, and also just the consideration to your caretakers too. Like that's mm-hmm. somebody that's an extension of you and they should know all your views on that, mm-hmm. especially when they're going to be around your children more than you are. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Do you still babysit right now? Um, I do like very, uh, not, not a whole lot, like twice a week, a little baby. He's very sweet. He's very, very sweet. But I mean, he's less than one years old, but even he understands like when I take his diaper off and he touches his penis, he's like, (laughs) like he, or I don't want to assign a gender to a baby when they touch their penis. They're like, that's, that's something like they like, what is this? Little bodies are aware of their body parts. They just are. Yeah. And that's also a good point, too, like not ascending, like letting them choose. And yeah. like I remember I told my mom, I, we don't have kids yet, but I was like, she was like saying names or she's saying boy and girl. And I was like, I was like, you know, I'm not like assigning a gender right away. And she was like, what the fuck is that shit? And I was like, I, nah. I it's like my baby. So you back the fuck off. I really have to ask people, why do you have such an emotional reaction for making sure that everyone feels okay yeah because that's basically what it comes down to i was in an argument with my father about they them pronouns and he kept saying well if you want to be you know uh if you want to be called they or them then you need to figure out how to make it grammatically correct and i was like okay first of all you're on the wrong side of history (laughs) second of all um you know, you assigning this rhetoric, this systematic rhetoric of grammar mm-hmm. to a situation 
that we've grown up and out of by and you're you're pointing to some archaic bullshit Mm -hmm. at the time i didn't know that he was wrong when he said it was wasn't grammatically correct because i yes i say it's actually correct yeah i didn't at the time i didn't know that but that's what several of my friends told me after i said that um i was like you're on the wrong side and these this just goes to show that our system isn't serving everyone that Mm -hmm. is here Mm -hmm. and you know the same he disagreed but i was like the same sort of thing was like said for blacks like they are one fourth of person and it was scientifically proven mm-hmm. and grammatically correct to like call people the N word. What are you talking about? And people are pointing to this archaic law, like these things, these systems, these rules are no longer serving the vast majority of people that live on the planet. So why do you have such an emotional reaction for making people feel comfortable? It definitely says a lot about people, I think. And they don't realize that when they have these opinions, when they're so quick to be like, no, this isn't how we did it. So that's not how I'm doing it. Yeah, I think it. Oh, my God. This is like turning into a podcast. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with like capitalism and in the sense that like everyone's looked at um, in terms of productivity and profit and black and white instead of living beautiful messes that um, ebb and flow and change. And I think there's something um that is still animalistic within us when there's a change it's like a fight or flight and it actually does feel especially to people who are older life-threatening to change Mm -hmm. things that they have taken the time to understand but if we we would do all of ourselves a better service if we taught less binary in in every sense of the term absolutely um so people can change there was um the older kid um he's on high school last Mm -hmm. year he had a teacher who I don't think was non-binary, but he was English teacher. Mm-hmm. So all the books that he chose for them mm-hmm. were non-binary. Mm-hmm. So it would be like they, them, yeah, while written. And I was like, this is cool. Yeah. And the oldest kid was like, oh, I'm getting kind of annoyed, though. I feel like it's getting shoved down my, my throat. And I was like, yeah, but you just, like, he eloquently described what, like, what it, the difference between, like, non-binary and transgender to his dad who asked mm-hmm. because he now had this knowledge within an English class and not in a health class, but just yeah. in an English class. And I was like, I know you feel just because, of, like, your age and it feels like this is so foreign, but mm-hmm. you now understand a whole plethora of people without it being put within a health class where it seemed like it's, like, scientific and, like, maybe not everything's true. Connected and to, everything connected back to sex. Yeah, and everything's connected back to sex. And it's what like, your sex preference is. It's, like, got normalized in a way that you're not going to realize it until, like, three months down the road when you're like, oh, of course, they, yeah. them. Well, not to mention the problem isn't learning they, them. The problem is assigning gender to people that you don't mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. period. Like, mm-hmm. If you are addressing a stranger, you should be using gender neutral pronouns and then let them correct you. But we have this like fear, right? We're always trying to be perfect. We're trying to be perfect and productive. Mm -hmm. And it's not productive to have to unlearn and then relearn. You just lost a bunch of time. Blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's just everyone's like on this little hamster wheel. And I sound like such an Aquarius right now. I'm like, let's just fucking beam up to our spaceships. (laughs) (laughs) Unsubscribe to time. And I'm never going to like I as someone who works in retail and mm-hmm. has to deal with like a lot of people, I am 100 percent guilty of assigning gender to people like, right. You know how in Trader Joe's there's that one person that like tells you where the line goes, where the line goes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's it's called front of line. There's like front of line one, uh-huh. front of line two, front of line one. Literally, then you literally are just directing people to the next person to actually get the number. Mm-hmm. And so. People are dumb in lines. People are so dumb in lines. Yeah. Like people every every day at Trader Joe's, people forget how our fucking lines work. And so you have to be descriptive. You have to be like, uh, follow, follow. I'll find myself being like, follow her, follow uh-huh. him, follow them. Because the moment you say them, they're like, wait, who, who, what? Yeah. And it's just like literally the person that you just saw walk in front of you. Yeah. You're going to follow them. If there's like a break because an aisle's happening, everyone's, they're like, what? Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> but I like, I... I know that like, I'm trying to be perfect at the same time and trying yeah. to be like the best citizen ever. And so I'll be like, follow her mm, mm, the yellow yeah. jacket. And you're just like, just we can everyone all, like, needs calm to relax. Down. Yeah. Take a breath. Understand that we're all actively unlearning. I also want to caveat this. Like I don't use they them pronouns. So please feel free to correct me. But I think that it's 
you need to try to just address everyone gender neutrally. Mm -hmm. And then if you misgender someone and they correct you, say thank you Mm -hmm. and move on. Yeah. Don't make it about you. Yeah. Which I know I've done. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, I've absolutely made the, uh, then like the apology. I'm like, oh, day one, I was so (laughs) sad. It's like, (sighs) just take a breath, say thank you, move on. And I think it's cool to talk about it too because I think if more people hear people being like, no, I totally respect non-binary and they, them, Mm -hmm. but I fuck up, then people will be like, oh, I also fuck up. Yeah, it's okay to fuck up, but you you absolutely need to unlearn. And again, the problem is gendering strength Mm -hmm. people you don't know. Just don't, just don't gender anyone. And if you think about it, well, I mean, I don't know. When I think about it, I don't when I really don't know someone I'm like I don't know they're over there like mm-hmm. I, d- I don't or if you're like if I'm talking about a dog <laughs> dogs are all gender neutral to me I'm like there's a doggy <laughs> um yeah I mean it's a journey yeah it's a journey. <laughs> it's a journey we're doing it we're getting there we've made it's honestly it's as much as like there's been so much shit going on that's like terrible in our world like global warming and and Trump it has been really cool to grow up with all this growth and change of really trying. I think like people have tried so long hard for diversity, but I feel like we are starting to see a difference in intersectionality for once. Like mm-hmm. it's very, very small. But I think we're finally learning like the difference of like making sure things are diverse, but also making sure people are like are safe and heard. And so it's been cool to be a like to be in that moment to see all of this change yeah and to be like cool with it to not be that person that's just like why can't they why can't why did why do they have to change their genders why right. do they have to blah 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 i i definitely think that there's some work happening in the city specifically all up in brooklyn and um you know some places in manhattan but there are those places that you go that i'm like wow we still have a long way to go or mm-hmm. i'm from the south and i still go back to the south and i'm like oh yeah that's right if there are people who literally hate me just be like just seeing me and if I, they also know that i'm gay i happen to have the luxury of not uh presenting as gay mm-hmm. um that's like a whole nother level of hate uh i do think that i i read this really interesting article um and listen to this npr story i'm such an old woman um i'm in a green sweater you guys just a cozy green sweater. but also a blue jumpsuit yeah <laughs> like don't um, don't forget that don't forget and i wore tims okay um <laughs> i read this really interesting article about how trump is good but hear me out good for um people could no longer hide behind this like vagueness of racist and homophobic and xenophobic rhetoric like everything is out in the open i think the only sense of i don't i don't want to say relief i have a limited vocabulary so i don't have a better word to use but the only sense of like mhm that i felt with trump in office is that i felt like a lot of my friends that wanted to say like racism is dead or like people aren't really homophobic anymore can't say that cuz it's out in the fucking open. It's in the streets. It's on our TVs. It's oh, in yeah. all the microaggressions. Yeah. Like, it's here. Where like, in the South are you from again? Uh, Panama that's... City, Florida. Oh, okay. okay. I have yet to go to Florida. You know, this is what I'll say about Florida. I think that it is beautiful. There's St. Andrew State Park um, in Panama City that is incredible. And it's swamplands. And it's the ocean. Um, and I want the South to do better. And I do believe in the South Mm -hmm. and I have met some incredible people. Like the education system and the social structure in Florida is fucked. Mm -hmm. It's fucked up and it's a good old boys club and it needs to be dismantled and rebuilt, especially when the majority of Florida is brown and the majority of the South is brown. Yeah. So it's wild to me or not wild to me. It's, you know, yeah, things need to be dismantled, but the South is beautiful and they have incredible people, but in better education, Mm -hmm. better education. Yeah. I mean, it does. It doesn't boil. It boils down to education, like better education, 
100%. allows people to get better options. I mean, my parents are lucky. They have money. They also have insurance. They're also not from born and raised in Florida. But I know some of my friends' parents, it's like they had nothing and they, ha- they still have nothing. Um, but you have places like Amazon wanting to come in and build a factory. And I'm like, they are fucking, that is its own form of domestic terrorism. It's how corporations come in when mm-hmm. towns are completely dismantled, giving them hope with jobs, but also barely like, you know, same thing with healthcare. Keep people just sick enough to keep having to come back to the hospital. I just found out this week that um, hospitals are now suing people for their unpaid health bills and not people with like a shit ton of money, but people like their health bill is like, or I'm sorry, not people that their health bill is like a million dollars, even though that should have never happened in the first place. No, like $1,500. Yep. So they can get accrued interest because what they want is they want you to have to be paying them Mm -hmm. with interest for years keep you subscribed to the hospital mm-hmm. and that's it's like the most expensive netflix um <laughs> fucking subscription yeah uh, or they sell what they do is they they build up they build up they build up so say you had a bill for fifteen hundred dollars it's now ten thousand dollars and they um they now have a ten like ten thousand dollar like uh thing over your head and then a bigger fish comes a bigger corporation comes and they say We'll pay all these people's debt if you transfer it to us. And now they can then add their own interest and then they can start calling you. It's fucked up. It's so fucked up. And it's a way to keep people who are not making any money down. It's what they do. I have to go to the dentist, but I'm too scared. And I also don't want to go to the dentist and get told to lose weight because that's also something that fat people experience all the time. At the dentist? <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like making a joke that oh, like it doesn't even like, matter if it's relating to your illness. If you are, God forbid, not thin, mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, you probably wouldn't be coughing if you only weighed 130 pounds. I the last, It's usually some man with his like elbow all the way inside of you telling you to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fucked up. Oh, my God. A podcast <laughs> you would love is called Bodies, where it's like doctors aren't listening to women. Uh, about their symptoms and like how horrifying it is and oh saying shit like that like you need to lose weight i actually um i haven't tried to get my blood taken mm-hmm. but i haven't had it done since i was like a literal child we will get back to sex i promise um she's <laughs> like i'm along for the ride now uh, <laughs> i like three i think it's been like three times that i've been like hey because i've gained like i would say like 30 to 40 pounds it's mm-hmm. most likely iud uh and possibly my thyroid, and I want to get my blood checked. Mm-hmm. And I've asked, I'm like, hey, like, I, I haven't had my blood checked in a long time. And they're like, um, no, your blood pressure is good. And just, I think you need to do like a plant based diet. Just like eat more plants. And I'm like, like, I, like, I know, like, I've gained weight and I'm now I'm technically obese. Yeah. And I'm just like, fine, whatever. But I think it could be something else. And I would love to get my thyroid checked. Yeah. And so I'm going in two weeks and I'm going to be like, the moment they say no, I'm going to do that thing that they said to do, which is um, when they deny you, you're supposed to be like, cool, can you put that on my record that you denied me this thing? And a lot of times they come back and they're like, you know what? Let's do it. Because okay. then they're liable. Okay. If you have a heart attack and you're like, hey, can you check like this and this? And they're like, no, just lose weight. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, I just flat out ask them like, oh, are you, is this the subscription for fat people? Is usually what I just flat out ask. Yeah. I also hate doctors just assume they know my diet. And I'm like, I'm a very, I don't want to even say the term healthy, but I am not. And even if I was, fuck you. Mm -hmm. I don't do the things that are already placed on me just because I have a large body. Mm -hmm. Like I've had doctors like act like, like they're discovering something to say to me and be like, well, you know, oh, you probably could just like stop drinking soda. And I'm like, well, do you know I fucking hate soda? Like I haven't had it like like, ever. Do you know that? Do you know that I don't like soda? You fuck face. Um, or like <laughs> not so much candy and it's like okay great it's just and, dumb and also to get away from the fact that like skinny doesn't mean healthy and that fat doesn't mean unhealthy 100 percent like that's huge too like 100 percent. bmi is a lie it's total bullshit like i'm uh, goes back to capitalism mm-hmm. and, uh, and white supremacy and men because it's based off of a man's body Wait, what? Um, yeah, the BMI index is based off a man's body and not a woman's. So, like, what they say your BMI is, I think mine's like 32, which mm-hmm. is like obese, um, is bullshit. 
because it's like not putting into factors like other parts of just like how our bodies like are sometimes different than men and things like that. Like it's such bullshit. When it's- I tell you I couldn't even care less about that, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> when people start talking to me, I used to, and I want to get back to, cause I, I miss having like really hard workouts, like two to four t- uh, or three to four times a week. I used to do rumble. And luckily I had, uh, I have a good friend who's a trainer there. So I always felt comfortable because he was like cheering me on and, you know, we had a good rhetoric, but the amount of like sort of apology and look and cheering that I would get from people that would see me in the class and being like, um, and then almost shocked that I could like keep up with the class. I'm like, I need you to keep up with this. I can't, I don't, I can't keep up with you feeling sorry for me or feeling like, oh yeah, she's taking back her life because she still got to work out. It's it's really embarrassing how much apologizing you have to do about your own body when you're fat and mm-hmm. you're in those spaces that are for people who some like majority the, of the wellness industry is capitalizing on people's self-hatred mm-hmm. and not actually about being like better to yourself. Yeah, because that's the thing I get pissed off about the body positivity movement is like everyone's like, love your body. And it's like, cool. Um, we don't have to respect mm-hmm. everyone's bodies. Like, yeah. don't, stop telling me I have to love my body because I know you don't. Yeah. Like, by the way that you're looking at me, it's yeah. more like, let's stop with this fat phobia and like yeah. having pre-assumed judgments on someone. Yeah. And teach, you know what? And the thing that gets me so fucking tight about these, I'm just going to say it, rich white people and the food shit is that they will do all this and they don't even know how to fucking cook. <laughs> and you can't even fucking cook and i'm just like this wouldn't even be an issue if you were teaching your children how to fucking cook oh yeah oh yeah you're right you're so right Because the biggest issue is that again you're exploiting brown bodies for labor and like going out and like buying these salads going out to eat going to this restaurant going to that restaurant like you uh, of course you have to like hyper edit your diet because you don't know what the fuck is in the food mm-hmm. that's why i'm just like no i every diet i'm like you can fuck yourself learn how to cook learn how to cook learn how to cook yeah learn how to cook and like go buy a five color rule green orange red black or like salt fat acid heat make sure you have a vegetable in there mm-hmm. eat with the season yeah and if you're gonna eat meat buy good quality meat yeah. And learn how to fucking cook. Learn how to cook. Learn seasons. Learn how to cook. Yeah. Um, and it all goes back, like if we didn't have to worry about all this other shit, I think everyone would be having better sex. <sighs> yes, full circle. Right. Sex. I think I Well, did sex it. is a huge sex is a huge thing that is important. It should be scheduled. You should do it. And if you're not having sex with a partner, you should be put like making the time to have solo sex with yourself. Yeah, it is important. It's not nasty. It's not gross. I went for like uh, a month straight, where I was like, I'm going to masturbate every day, and it was actually incredibly hard. Um, sometimes you're not in the mood. You have well, to like. Sometimes you're not in the mood, and then you don't think that you deserve the time to take to get yourself oh. in the mood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, it's, even then we like, are like capitalists with our masturbation time and like productivity. I'm like, I don't have time. I don't have time. I got to get this done 30 minutes. What? And I would be like, okay, well, this is an opportunity to unpack that. Like, why do I not think that I deserve the time to like turn myself on and then masturbate? Or why don't I just go and like, instead of waiting till I'm fucking exhausted to get in my bed, mm-hmm. like go to bed an hour before I normally fall asleep. And like, what does that look like? Don't sleep in the bed with my fucking hat ass, a hat ass, my hot ass laptop and my cell phone. Like, keep those things separate from my mm-hmm. bed. Like, wake up early, allow myself to like enjoy my morning, rolling around. Like, how do we make it as routine as getting our coffee? Yeah. Or taking a shower. Like, all of it. It's important. Yeah. It's important. It really is. Um, have you seen Big Mouth? Yes. I, Aaron, my boyfriend always says, like, I wish I had it as a child. Yeah. And the 12-year-old nanny actually watched all of it. And yeah. the kids and the parents were like, 
oh my god thank you for introducing this to him and i was like i did not he yeah. found that on his own because that's how kids work yeah um and that's okay but i was just like that show like i just wish it could go even like younger and so yeah. it could like i watched like the female masturbation episode with him and i truly was like hold up you're about to see like a lot of cartoon vaginas and a lot of female like masturbation are you cool like i'm gonna uh-huh. be here are you good like it's totally fine and he was like yeah 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 so it's like really cool to watch um these shows open up all these dialogues and like Steven Universe and like um, oh that's uh that was another thing sorry my girlfriend no, no, and I bonded it. over we would watch we watched all the Steven Universe together mm-hmm. and that was like our date nights were Steven Universe episodes the end and she recorded my reaction when I realized that um uh uh Garnet was a fusion I was like. <gasps> I literally sobbed. I was like, look at this gay ass shit. That Ruby is gay for that Sapphire. And then they like hugged and I went, what? <laughs> and I just started sobbing. I was like, it's a carnet. <laughs> and she recorded the whole thing. I was like, oh my God. And the movie is great too. Um, yeah, Steven Universe, Big Mouth. Um, I really love the female masturbation, the whole conversation that the vagina is having with the girl. And she's like, hi. Don't be scared of me. Like, I love that. I would wish Maya Rudolph was the sound of my vagina. Like, because wasn't oh, that yeah. Maya Rudolph's voice? No, I think it's Kristen Wig is the vagina. Maya Rudolph oh. is the female hormone. No, Maya. Wait, Maya. Yeah, Maya Rudolph is the female hormone monster. Hormone monster. Okay. She's like bubble burial. That's that's <laughs> Maya Rudolph. And the best thing was like the twelve year old was like, I wish I had my own hormone monster yeah and i was like i know you can ask me he asked me a lot of questions which i love yeah he's so open and like it gives me so much hope for little boys or like little, yeah. little kids with penises i'm just like yeah you you're gonna you're gonna be fine don't worry when i was going to school at university of northern colorado i managed a tcby and all of the employees were like <laughs> Does tcby still exist i have no idea <laughs> uh tcby and all of the employees were like uh like 18 like to 16 to 18 and once they realized me and my like really good friend ariel were like cool girls the flood of questions that those Mm -hmm. boys had about Mm -hmm. sex and i would just like to say you're welcome to all the girls they ever hooked up with because Mm -hmm. i saved them from a lot of bullshit i was like no don't ever do that don't ever do that and this is what consent is explicitly Mm -hmm. And no, do not shave every single pube off that you have into your parents' poor fucking shower. What are you talking about? (laughs) What are you talking about? And no, do not shove a finger in someone's butthole without explicitly speaking to them about it. And a lot of the stuff you see in porn, those are sexual athletes. You are not a sexual athlete. Like, (laughs) please do not ever try to recreate something that you've seen in porn. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to be scared by porn because a lot of us are. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, it's very, I can't even, I wish I could remember the first time I saw porn because it had to be super overwhelming to be like, what? Like, this is it? I think my first porn was like, um, was pictures until mm. I was in college. And then I would watch like videos mm. and I wouldn't even mash it. I just watched them. And I was like, <sighs> <laughs> and then just, <laughs> And then I would just like go to sleep, like really turned on and be like, that's it. That's that's what it is. <laughs> and then the first time I masturbated and like my first orgasm, I was like, what the fuck was I wasting all of that time? I don't think I masturbated and had an orgasm until I was like 20. Whoa. Yeah. I was literally just having, I was literally just in heat all throughout high school and no. just like ferociously kissing people <laughs> and then being like, done. Oh my God. <laughs> totally satisfied. No, I definitely was at one point addicted to masturbating. I got a Spencer's vibrator for 10 bucks. Yes, Spencer's come through. I named it Chewy after Chewbacca because for some reason I thought that was funny. (laughs) And I just got so addicted to it. And then I didn't bring it to college because I didn't want my parents to accidentally unpack it in my freshman dorm. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, where will I put this? Like, I don't want my roommate to see it. And I got really good with my hands and I was like legit addicted to porn. Like I always knew, I was like, she won't be here from this time to this time. This is my time, door locked. And one time she came home early and was like, why is the door locked? And I was like, I don't know. And Yeah, just lie about it. Like, Mara, 
uh, a door lock monster ghost came. <laughs> Wasn't I right? Like, you loved it. You learned. We lived. We laughed. We eat, prayed, loved. I don't know. Is that a thing? Um, again, follow Jessica Henderson at Embrace underscore mess on all the social medias. Go find her. Just, she's the best. Go watch her on Glamour, Glamour Mag. She's got some cool videos. And just fucking live your lives and masturbate. 